Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Welcome to another episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch, being joined by Devin Hassan and David Woolman. Gentlemen, we are recording this on a Wednesday, and we are here to preview some of the marquee games for the upcoming week for high school football season. Week one is upon us, as has um, been the case for the last few years. We've been doing the Game of the Week thing for the last few years. Um, at the start of each week, we uh, handpick five of the biggest games in our coverage area, put them on a poll on the website, starlocalmedia.com, for everybody to vote on. Big thanks to everybody who voted in this week's poll. Um, five very, very worthy games. Ultimately, though, there wasn't a whole lot of suspense as to which one the uh, the readership deemed the game of the week. And for this one, we will go out to McKinney ISD Stadium for a 7 o'clock kickoff on Friday in the latest chapter of the rivalry between the McKinney Lions and the Plano Wildcats, your uh, your week one game of the week. So, uh, yes, let's uh, let's chit-chat about Plano McKinney, and then later on in the podcast we'll touch on some of the other marquee games that were up for consideration. Um, I've been looking forward to this game for a hot minute. This was not a game that was um this was not a game that was on either team's schedule back um you know after realignment. You know, if you recall, Plano was supposed to play Burleson Centennial to start the season. A bit of an oddball selection now just now that I think about it. Just because <laughs> yeah, you would never you know think Plano and Burleson Centennial would ever line up on the football field together. Um and then McKinney was supposed to play, I believe, a school from Arkansas, Springdale Harbor, as part of the twenty twenty McKinney Classic. It was something that McKinney ISD had planned where all three McKinney schools we're playing out-of-state opponents. Boyd and North were supposed to play a pair of teams from Oklahoma. Uh, but naturally, though, with the uh, the start of Texas high school football getting delayed for the uh, 5A and 6A schools, the, um, you know that idea kind of fell through. So, um, yeah, so teams had to scramble, and one of the uh, one of the consequences from that was McKinney and Plano. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's two teams that obviously have plenty of familiarity. They've shared the same district for the past few years, and it's during that stretch that you've really seen this rivalry be one of the sneaky, entertaining games in Collin County, um, you know, and it really kind of started to, you know, kind of turn the page. I think back to uh, to 2016, you know, because you have to think back then. McKinney was making the move up to 6A, and at the time, it was a program that was just kind of that hadn't really done a whole lot at the 5A level. They hadn't made the playoffs since 2009, 2010, or whatnot, and. You know, they just really hadn't had much in the way of, of marquee wins over programs the caliber of Plano ISD. But you've seen really since 2016, 2017, in that range, McKinney's kind of turned a bit of a corner from a competitiveness standpoint. You know, they've qualified for the playoffs the last three years, and you think back to one of the moments that really kind of set the wheels in motion for that, and it was that, I believe, 2016 when they beat Plano by three points. At the time, it was a, it felt like a pretty big upset. And then they did it the following year, also by three points. And then in 2018, they did it again, a third time. This time with Marcus Shavers as the head coach. It was his first year at the helm. McKinney was 0-5 at the time, heading into that game against Plano. 
and then they beat Plano 17-7. to And so it's just it's kind of been a thorn in the side for Plano for the last few years. The rivalry's taken a very sharp turn in favor of the, uh, of the Lions. And then you had that crazy game last season. I don't know if you guys recall the Plano-McKinney uh, encounter from last year. It was the game that, uh, that took two days to complete oh, that's right. <laughs> because of uh, inclement weather. Huh. And it was, a, uh, I mean, it was one of the more entertaining games regardless of the, uh, the weather circumstances. The final score was 56-49. to 49. Plano won the game, but just the uh, the nature of the game was insane. I mean, it was as it sounds, it was an absolute shootout. Both teams combined for more than a thousand yards of offense. You had fifteen total touchdowns. Plano led that game forty-two to fourteen midway through the third quarter, and then McKinney just caught fire. 21 unanswered points, and just like that, it is forty-two to thirty-five. And then, with eleven minutes left in the fourth quarter, the weather delay hits. And it really does kind of make for a fascinating hypothetical, like what happens if that delay never, never takes well, place. And that was going to be my question: was what was what was the score? What was the situation when it was? Because I've seen games that one team is rolling on a Friday night, <laughs> and then they have to stop and restart on Saturday morning. And for whatever reason, the team that's up—I don't know if they get complacent—they just come out flat. Mm-hmm. And they just can't. And it's 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 just like watching two different games. So it's curious to note that Plano was so far ahead, but McKinney had already started their comeback, and they were probably the team that was hacked off walking up the field going, oh, I'd imagine so. going we had this game <laughs> and we now we got to come back tomorrow and let them kiss their you know kiss their wind and wow because you think like during the like the course of a basketball game how sometimes you know teams will call timeouts just to try to subdue an opponent making mm-hmm. a big run or whatnot you know that timeout lasts for like 30 seconds or a minute <laughs> this lasted like 15 hours <laughs> so i mean you imagine yeah because i mean all the momentum was in mckinney's favor at the time so then plano gets this this respite and then they come back the following day and then they just keep going back and forth. They trade touchdowns to the finish line. Plano ultimately wins by seven. But I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, who knows? I mean, how the uh, how that game goes. And I'm sure at the time, you know, McKinney, McKinney probably felt like at the time, like, crap, that might be our, our season right there. That's just one of the games that you have to win when you looked at the nature of the district as far as what could get them into the playoffs. Now, Plano went in the tank later on in the year. They got a little banged up at receiver, lost their last three games, and then McKinney was able to uh, squeak in on the last night of the regular season. So ultimately, it didn't hurt him. But yeah, I mean, it's never never lacking in storylines and drama when Plano and McKinney get together in recent years. Um, each game has been very, very competitive. And uh, obviously, with this game Friday, the first thing that you look at is that this is going to be the first game for Plano under a new head coach yep. in, uh, in Todd Ford, mm-hmm. formerly of Lovejoy, Round Rock, Cedar Ridge, and whatnot. It's... Um, um, and I'm just—I uh, think that's for everybody. Just kind of be the—you uh, know—the the thing that people are most looking forward to in this one is just seeing what this Plano offense looks like under Coach Ford. Uh, uh, he usually runs a spread offense. He does, yes. And then like Plano's, Plano's used to a lot different, big different offense than that. Yeah, it's—I mean—it's going to be uh, a bit of a departure from the—you uh, know—the three yards and a cloud of dust, ground and pound style that Plano has been accustomed to over the years. Now they've granted they threw it, they, it around. Oh a yeah, yeah. Bit. They've opened it up a bit in recent years. To be fair, yeah. you know, certainly la- especially. Last year, yeah. last year was one of their most productive passing campaigns in uh, in some time. But yeah, I mean, it's just because you're bringing in Todd Ford, who's I mean, I, the first coach that's not from the the John Clark, Tom Kimbrough <laughs> coaching tree, and I mean. Good. Who knows how long? And I mean, it's. I mean, you're bringing in a a Todd Dodge disciple. So I mean, it's kind of like universes colliding with <laughs> with Plano with Plano Wildcat football and uh, and dodgeball. And I'm uh, I'm fascinated to know what it uh, what it all means. And by all accounts, it's you know going to be a very very spread out offense. You know, the tempo is going to be you know a bit faster than fans that uh, than Plano fans are accustomed to. And you know, that's uh, I, I guess is at the top of just kind of the uh, 
uh, the storylines in this one is how far along is Plano? I mean, how do you, you know, just how do you, how do you kind of gauge where a program is at when it's your very first game playing in a brand new system on both sides of the ball for that matter? It's not mm-hmm. just on offense, but on defense as well. They're acclimating to a, a four, two, five look. And I mean, it's just that that's just the kind of stuff that takes time to adapt and especially when you look at the way that this offseason has gone for these teams where you haven't had a traditional, you know, training camp or offseason and whatnot, you've mm-hmm. you just were able to put on pads, you know, for the first time, you know, earlier just a, you know, a couple weeks ago it feels like. And I mean just with all that in mind, you know, it sounds like the installation part has gone fine, but actually putting it into practice, mm-hmm. it's a completely different animal. So, mm-hmm. um just kind of curious to see just from an execution standpoint, does Plano uh, how far along is Plano in that respect? Um I mean, what about this game um you know either to either of y'all what about this game kind of stands out when you guys look at the matchup um thing i look about is like uh how how does uh mckinney adjust mm-hmm. i mean because you have you basically have no film on plano that's true so i mean you when you go into a game with no film i mean you know the first quarter quarter and a half maybe in the first half like you know like you're just trying to make adjustments on the fly trying to figure out what hit you because this is something that you've never seen from plano mm-hmm. before so um like at halftime, I'm pretty sure they're going to spend a lot of time in adjustments right there trying to figure out what's mm-hmm. going on. Um, and obviously, when you look at Plano's offense, I mean, Oliver Towns had a really good year last year. Absolutely. Um, so, I mean, just imagine him under uh, Coach Ford's offense mm-hmm. this year. Um, and not only Oliver Towns, but look at the running game that they're going to have because it's oh, so yeah. spread out this year. Look at the running lanes that Tylen Hines is going to have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he could have a big year for him. Because yeah, if I- you- Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 you go, Devin. No, no, I, I was, I was just gonna kind of, kind of back up what he was saying. I like, I like Plano's skill position talent. I don't think it's gonna be any kind of. I don't think it's gonna be as big of an adjustment having to deal with Plano because it's not like they're running some brand new system. This mm-hmm. is a system that's probably the predominant offense yeah. out there in some variation. Therefore, so you know, I, I think, I think the scheme is not gonna be what gives them any problems. It, I think it's just the personnel because mm-hmm. they have, they have some proven guys back there that. Um, they can they can move the ball and get points on the board. As far as that personnel, like you mentioned, David, um, you know, with Oliver Towns, he's it's it's the first time that Plano's begun the season with the uh, the same starting quarterback as they had the year prior since like 2012 or something like that. It's Plano's always been a they got a senior in there behind center, and Oliver Towns is one of the uh, the exceptions to that trend. He had a spectacular year last season. Looks to build off of that. He's got his uh, his top uh, his top rushing option in the backfield with him, Tylen Hines, who you know averaged nearly 10 yards a carry last season, one of the most explosive rushers in the Metroplex. They are pretty young at receiver, though, and that's probably the unit that I've, I've kind of got my eye on the most, just because, yeah. I mean, that was that was really kind of what it, what you'd attribute to, you know, just the strides that Plano's offense made last year was that component of having those uh, those deep play threats like Jaden Chambers and Nolan Williams, Christian Sabatini, guys that you could, I mean, stretch the field with. For the first time in quite some time, Plano had legitimate options to stretch the field, and all those guys are gone. And, you know, you kind of saw like last year, you know, you think back to those last three games when injuries and ineligibility, you know, kind of hampered Plano's receiving core, and all of a sudden, you know, a lot of that punch was lost, and the offense just kind of fizzled out there down the stretch. And they're, um, like I said, they're really, really young at receiver. With um, and so is McKinney for that matter. Both teams are actually kind of in a similar spot in that respect, personnel-wise, because McKinney has its starting quarterback returning as well, uh, Samson Nazarko. He was just a sophomore last season, came along very, very nicely, and then they've got their top three running backs all back as well and it's kind of just a uh, it's it's very much a committee approach but all three of them are capable of going off you know whether it's um you know lamaria ransom 
RJ Carver, OJ Reed. OJ Reed specifically had a monster game against Plano last season. Um, but they've got three options back there that can really hurt you. But then out at receiver, they don't have a they don't have a receiver on their roster that caught a varsity pass in a in a McKinney uniform. I want to clarify they do have <laughs> they do have one receiver a transfer from Mesquite Horn. You might recognize the name Devin Omari Walker. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, solid player. Yeah, he caught a, he caught a few passes for the uh, for the Jaguars last season. He's now at uh, at McKinney, but otherwise, again, it's a it's a unit that's pretty bereft of uh, you know of proven you know varsity experience. They've got some young guys that are you know that uh, Coach Shavers is encouraged by and whatnot. But as far as again, kind of like you know with this uh, with this plan of scheme putting it all into practice under the Friday night lights for the very first time. It's just who knows, you know, how far along that aspect of their offense is uh, is going to be. Um, and with Plano, it's kind of the, uh, you know, the same circumstance. They've, um, as far as their returning receiving experience, you know, Kamari Spivery, Demarion Lloyd, they played on varsity last season. They combined for five catches for 13 yards. So, I mean, it's not a, you know, but, you know, perhaps going through an off season, knowing that you're going to be called upon to kind of lead that unit now, perhaps maybe a different mentality leads to, a, you know, them kind of a Approaching the uh, you know their roles with a bit more of a a confidence than uh, than last season when they were just kind of thrust into the okay we're uh, we're pretty depleted and it's the biggest you know see what this is the most important highest leverage snaps of the season go play varsity and yeah, yeah. so um so yeah anxious to see kind of which uh, which young receiving core uh, kind of steps up in this one. Um, defensively, um, you know, McKinney's got a bit of an experience edge there. You know, it's a, it's a veteran group um, led up front by a Mizzou commit John Jones, not the, uh, you know, not the MMA fighter John Jones, the, uh, <laughs> the senior defensive lineman at McKinney High, John Jones. And then in the secondary with a Washington State commit, Adrian Shepard. And then you think back to, you know, the last season, that was really the side of the ball that kind of helped McKinney turn the corner as far as making that push towards the playoffs. Over the last six games of the season, they were um, giving up only 18.8 points per game and they went two rounds deep in the playoffs and that's uh, that includes a, a game where they gave Waco Midway one heck of a scare in the uh, in the second round um, so yeah it's uh, it all shakes out to be a uh, I think a pretty fascinating contest and the weird thing about this is like if you look over these last four years when this game got you know got particularly you know interesting I believe the picket line has been wrong every year on this game I, I'm sure I am <laughs> I mean <laughs> Because I, I really do think back to like in it was 16, 17, and 18, that just the way that both teams were trending at the moment or just whether it's taking the pedigree and tradition of one program over the other, I really want to say that those first three – those last uh, – those three years uh, from 16 to 18, that all of us, with the exception of maybe Kendrick, um, you know, would, <laughs> would um, we're, we're taking, uh, you know, Plano to beat McKinney. McKinney wins the game. And then last year, I think everyone – McKinney got everyone over on their side – and then Plano ends up winning. So uh, as I ask for everyone's predictions now on this game, that's uh, a bit of a cautionary tale as we're, uh, as we're about to make picks on this one. That uh, History says that picket line's probably going to be wrong. So uh, where did you guys lean on this one? Well, I, I p- picked heads, so I picked McKinney. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, literally. Uh, no, I, I, do, I do like early on – I mean, I know Plano has some proven parts on offense, particularly mm-hmm. quarterback, and that's why I was kind of leaning toward them early on. Um, but I think early on, especially just given the fact of, of the crazy nature and the lack of workouts, mm-hmm. uh, I tend to lean, lean toward the team. Uh, you know, the team has a little more defense and yeah. a little more proven defense. So now that will it'll go out and be fifty six forty nine. But no, if I hadn't put a score on it, I think it's going to be you know one of those twenty four twenty one twenty eight twenty four type games. Okay. Uh, I just think McKinney's got a little bit of an edge on defense, but they win a close game. 
How about you, David? Where'd you fall on this one? Um, I'm kind of along the similar lines of Devin right there. It's, you know, anytime you have a new coach and you, you've only had one scrimmage to work with and no spring practice, I mean, it's it's hard to kind of, you know, get that game action, you know, to try to develop the chemistry, you know, from especially in a spread offense, you know, mm-hmm. and when you're moving from a completely different offense. So I feel it's going to take a little bit of time for, you know, Pointer to kind of, you know, work things out. So I'm going to give the give the edge to McKinney in this mm-hmm. game. When I talked with uh, with Coach Ford over at Plano just to get some just some thoughts on just where he was kind of at as far as, you know, scouting McKinney, what stood out about McKinney, the first thing he described them as is um, basically the first word he mentioned was stability. And just how like how that program has been intact for you know for so many years now, and just that's a you know they they've got the culture established, they know who they are, and um and it's it's basically been a program that's been in a steady ascent because you think back to that first year with Coach Shavers there, and it was kind of a similar circumstance, and they started the year zero and five. Now they got it together you know later on in the year, but it meant working through some rough patches early on, and you know again like you guys have mentioned with the uh, just what the pandemic has done to a typical off season and how um you know you've everyone's had to kind of think outside the box and just how it's it's not a traditional offseason in the sense of getting everything installed being and in, working in pads as long as you would normally be before the start of a season and yeah i just kind of got to go with i think continuity you know matters you know a little bit more than uh than usual this season so in that respect i too have to side with the, what's what's at least the more uh, you know the more proven commodity right now and mm-hmm. that's that's mckinney I need so to congratulations plano yes uh, <laughs> <laughs> a rousing start to the coach forward era <laughs> Who knew that we had that kind of power? Um, so yes, the uh, the picket line is uh, is unanimous though in picking the McKinney Lions to beat the Plano Wildcats is is the fifth time a charm, <laughs> probably not. Um, so yes, but that is nevertheless our uh, our game of the week. Um, so yeah, that's um, obviously what y'all voted on as the game of the week. There were four other games though that were up for consideration, so we can quick hit those. Just talk offer up some uh, some thoughts and some predictions on some of the other marquee games in our uh, in our coverage area for the week. We can start um, for a game that uh, kicks off Thursday. Thursday night over in Frisco at a Toyota Stadium for a uh, this is a this is a nice little matchup to mm-hmm. start the uh, to start the year in Frisco ISD football. You've got um, Frisco High squaring off against Independence. The Raccoons against the Knights. This is outside of outside of Lone Star versus Independence. This is probably the best game you can make between two Frisco football programs right now. I mm-hmm. think. Um, so yeah, I mean, I mean. You had, I mean, Independence last year having their deepest playoff run ever. You had Frisco, which, I mean, how many teams are able to turn around an 0-10 season as quickly as they did? Just two years' time, they're already splitting a share of the district championship in 7-5 AD2. Mm-hmm. I believe they went three rounds deep as well. Um, it's lots of star powers back in this one. Both teams are very experienced. So, I don't know. I mean, what's... Uh, do you, David, you're going to be at this game. I am. Yeah, so, I mean, what are oh. you looking forward to most about this and kind of where did you lean as far as a prediction goes? Oh, man, there's, there's a lot to look forward to this game. I'm really excited about mm-hmm. it. I'm, 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 I'm pumped. Uh, you know, the thing that really sticks out to me is just the skill position players that they got at this. They got a that, lot of them. A lot of them all over Lots the field. This, this could be like a Pro Bowl right here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, you know, on Frisco side, you got to look at it's, it starts with Chase Lowry. Mm-hmm. I mean, this this kid, you know, he, you put him anywhere on the field, he makes plays. All three phases. All three phases. Shut down cornerback, you know, if you want to put him on special teams. And last year, he played wide receiver as well, too. Mm-hmm. Got district MVP. So, I mean, he's. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, um, because they lost Bryson Clemens to graduation, you know, mm-hmm. who was like their huge rusher from last year. Absolutely. So I'm just trying to see what they're, if they're going to maybe incorporate him into the running game as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, th- I think that's a, 
like one of the storylines to look out for too. Um, obviously, Kari Green's coming back. You know, quarterback as a senior, so mm-hmm. it's going to see you know how how much he takes the next development as uh, in his progression as a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean. And they got him, and then obviously uh, along the offensive line, you got some pretty good studs along there. Oh yeah, Frisco's never lacking in talent on the oh, offensive no. line. Oh no, oh no, well, especially uh, Cole Hudson mm-hmm. Jr. You know, big guy. You know, over three hundred pounds, and he's the number thirty-eight uh, offensive lineman in his class right there in the nation. Mm-hmm. So um, it starts with them, and you know, if with all the experience they got off on the offensive line, you know, they they've got a chance to really control the clock in this game. So if they can just you know move the move the chains and you know own time of possession, they got a pretty good chance in this game. They may control the clock because Independence Baylor needs sixty six to score. That's right. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, that's not a slide on Frisco. Yeah. That's just how good that Independence yeah. offense can be. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah, and going going to Independence, I mean, I mean, it's a it's a fast moving offense, and with Braylon Braxton at the, at the helm, boy, you can you can put up points in a hurry right there. Absolutely. So, I mean, he had almost 900 rushing guards by himself last year, and you got Jaden Orr who's coming back, and you know, and if if the running game's not working, you can just throw it to Ziggler McMillan, and you know, he can just score some touchdowns for you. So, I mean, that offense can it has has a chance to score well. So, I mean, I'm I'm anxious to see how both offenses are going to you know turn out on Thursday. Which one do you think gets the better of the other, though? All the pressure. Oh, man. Uh, How I, will you ever make up your mind? I have to make up my mind. This, the, we cannot have a two-hour podcast here. Um, I am going to go with first go independence. I'm going to say by at least 10 points. Okay. Is there any specific reason that leans you in that direction? Um, I feel like the biggest difference is that is uh, I feel like uh, – Independence is offense is going to be tough to keep up with for sure. Um, when you lose somebody like Bryson Clemens, you know who was able to you know you know keep the clock you know moving for them, mm-hmm. and you know you you're putting in somebody new to, at at the running back position right there to take over for him. You know it's it's going to take a little bit of time to develop like the, that that rushing statistic right there. So um, obviously with Braxton. Um, Braylon's, Braylon Braxton's legs right there. That's gonna you know allow them to just keep moving the clock, keep putting points on the board. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take Independence in this game. Okay, we were um we were all unanimous in this one. Yeah, Nathan, you're going with Independence. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, along the same lines. Yeah. I just I just think they have too much firepower. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, Braylon Braxton, you can, can do it so many different ways. But then when you, it's almost an embarrassment of riches when you can. Oh, oh, by the way, we also have a thousand yard rusher. You know, and Jane Dor. We got yep. two quality receivers. Um, you El- know, Elijah Arroyo, Eli- Elijah yeah. Arroyo, and McMillan. So, um, you know, I think Frisco's going to score some points. Yeah. Um, I, I just I can see it be one of those. 45, 35, and I may be lowballing it there. I mean, this game may be 50s, 50s, 40s type stuff. I just think right now at this point, you know, as David mentioned, as Frisco kind of fine tunes his ground game, I just think Independence has a little bit too much firepower for him. Talk about matchups that um, have shootout potential, and this uh, this next game certainly fits that description as well. Um, this one is going to be out in Louisville at Max Goldsmith Stadium, Friday, seven o'clock. The Fighting Farmers of Louisville welcome one of the uh, one of the potential breakout teams in the uh, in the area this season, Rockwall Heath. Mm. Um, yeah, this was a uh, – you talk about just teams that have firepower on offense. I mean, these were two of the better offenses in the area last season, and a lot of them have a lot of those same guys back. <laughs> so, Are we going to expect like a, maybe a 60-53 to 53 game? It's, uh, it, it's, it's got the potential to be a pretty big one. So, um, you know, with we talked obviously on Monday about Louisville's offense potentially being one of the better ones in our coverage area just with all the experience they have coming back. Mm-hmm. The Taylor Green at quarterback, Damian Martinez running back, and then Armani Winfield, Isaiah Stevens 
weapons at wide receiver, just so much production and continuity from last season. And then, you know, Heath is kind of in the uh, in that same boat with quarterback Josh Hoover, who was one of statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the uh, in the area last season. He is one of 17 returning starters, and you know, for what this um, what this program did last season, and I believe this is the first year under a new head coach, right, Mike Spradlin. Yes. And I mean, they, it was it was just a five and five record, you know, so it's not like they just blew the doors off and whatnot, but with that continuity and then just the expected, you know, just the the comfort in running that system for the second year, um, you know, a lot of uh, you know, there's some prognostications out there that have this team going from maybe a fringe playoff team all the way up to potentially contending for the district title. Um, I mean, Devin, they're in, you know, one of your districts over in ten six A. I mean, do you do you buy the the hype with uh, with Heath right now, or is it just kind of a wait and see approach with them? I, I really do, just because having a chance to see them last year. You know, mm-hmm. you mentioned Josh Hoover. That's his numbers rank up there with among the best. It's not video game like some quarterbacks put up. Like Mark Witz over in McKinney. Yeah, North. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, they're it's kind of they're just kind of overlooked. I mean, part of that is because the success that Rockwell's had. Um, of late, but um, you know, here's Josh Hoover threw for nearly three thousand yards yeah. last season. Um, in you know, in ten games, so it's not like he had fifteen games to put up near five thousand yards like some of these uh, cats have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Zach Evans was a really tough, good running back last season as a sophomore, averaged nearly six yards uh, per carry. Uh, and we mentioned Corbin Cleveland. Who, mm-hmm. I mean, when I saw them play last season against Mesquite, I, I just I mean, phenomenal athleticism. He's one of those guys, a go-to guy, um, and he's only going to get better this year. So where did you guys lean on this one? I took Rockwell Heath. Okay. Um, but, but slightly. This, this, this game's going to come down to the wire right here. I think this, you know, it's going to come down to one of those, like, one or two plays in the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of those teams, you know, they're very evenly matched up, you know, great quarterbacks, great skill sets. So, I mean, it's just going to take, like, one or two mistakes, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like Rockwell Heath is going to come out just a little bit on top. Yeah, and I, I took Heath, and I'll – Full disclosure, this is proximity <laughs> bias. Yeah. It's simply because it's, we'd have no body of work yeah. to, to base our stuff on right now. I've seen Heath play last year. I didn't see Louisville play last year. <laughs> I know what Sometimes that's I, all it takes. I, I know what Rockwell yeah, yeah. Heath has in terms of actually mm. seeing it. I know what Louisville has on paper, but I've never seen it. So um, I expect, like Dave decided, I expect it to be a close game. Mm. Um, again, proximity bias. I get I mm. teeth. I actually <laughs> lean Louisville in this one, and you know, I admittedly didn't see uh, didn't see either team play last year. But nevertheless, um, what you know, as far as kind of uh, you know the aspect of needing to see it, and I guess where I'm at, what you know at that level with Heath is needing to see them do it against an upper echelon opponent, and that's where you know when you look at the record last year, five and five, four of those five wins came against teams that ended up winning four games or less. So it's, I mean, beating Louisville would have been hands down like the signature victory, um, you know, on their schedule last season. So it's it's not to say that they can't do it because again with that experience and then the promise that they showed down the stretch last season when they were able to beat Horn and North Mesquite really close out the season with some momentum. Um, I mean, it's there's a lot to like about what this team has in store, but, you know, Louisville is, they've they've won 16 games the last two seasons. They've been to the playoffs both years. I mean, they have taken that, that, that leap that we kind of foresee Heath taking this year. Louisville already has done that. So in the sense, I almost look at that as being kind of the more proven commodity right now and kind of the sense, not saying that Heath isn't capable of it, but I also need to see it happen against a team with the kind of 
that's been on the run right now that Lum, you know, that Louisville has been on. So that's kind of was the uh, was the tiebreaker for me and why I uh, I sided with the farmers okay. on uh, on Friday. Let's see. So let's move on then to uh, another uh, another fun little matchup. This one also a Friday seven o'clock kickoff. This one out at Leopard Stadium in Lucas. Lovejoy welcomes John Paul II. This was not a matchup I would have imagined materializing. <laughs> no, um, you know and whatnot. But this was this was actually the projected opener for both teams before uh, you know pandemic hit and whatnot. So it's um it's nice that they were able to keep that game intact. Um, this is hands down the toughest non-district opponent that John Paul has ever played, um, and it is a very very credentialed program and Lovejoy always in the playoffs and whatnot. One of the better teams in that seven five A Division two district this year. Um, and then with John Paul, obviously their story is well documented. State runner up last season, and um and they're certainly uh, they're certainly punching up in weight in this one. Um, it's you know it's a it's a tall order taking on a five A 5A program as a uh, as a private school, no matter the caliber of that five A program. So we'll see. As um as far as kind of where I leaned on this one, it kind of boils down to uh you know looking at Lovejoy, and this is the first off. This is the first game in the in the Chris Ross era. You know, so as far as the caveats that we've applied to the first year head coach, you know, starting the season, you know, I guess that does you know sort of fit the bill here as well. But you know, I look at the talent that that, um, that Lovejoy has on offense, and there's a ton of it. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, um, their offensive the offensive MVP of the district, their quarterback Ralph Rucker. Um, you know, Noah Nadeau in the backfield, and then a couple studs out wide with Reese Westervelt with Reed Westervelt, I should say, and then uh, then Luke Mayfield. And I think of the kind of personnel that it would take to theoretically slow a team like that down, and it would have to be a team with a pretty solid secondary. And as I talked about on Monday's podcast, I mean put John Paul's secondary up against any out there right now with, I mean, again, three, you know, legitimate division one prospects, you know, Braxton Myers, that kid's going to have his pick of wherever he wants to go when all said and done, um, you know, Charlie Daniels committed to UAB, um, Terrence Brooks, I mean, also got a laundry list of D1 offers, Power 5 offers and whatnot. I mean, they are absolutely loaded on that side of the ball. Now, I admittedly would feel a little bit better if Grayson James and Jaron Bradley were still there. You know, that quarterback-receiver combination that was just so potent last season. Um, but, again... You know, I think that I'm I'm feeling I'm feeling all right enough about where John Paul's skill position guys are at between Miles Parker, Tyler Bailey, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. You know, especially running back with Grant Robinson, who's you know entering his first year as their full fledged starting running back. He you know he split times uh, you know split time last year, but before that as a sophomore. I mean, I saw him a bunch over at Allen when he was you know helped just carving up six A defenses and whatnot. He's a very very talented running back. I think they've got enough just sheer talent just to uh, you know to make good on this uh, on this uh, on this tall order and uh and beat lovejoy um where'd you guys fall on this one? Ooh, this is a interesting matchup right here this is definitely gonna have definitely gonna be uh see how the skill skill matchups work out but i'm leaning a little bit more slightly to uh john paul the second in this matchup okay. just because like you have that you know camaraderie with the coaches and the players already um and obviously, you know, when you're the state runner up and you go into the next season, you know, the fire is there. Like mm-hmm. you, you like, you know, you're upset about what happened in the state championship game and like, you know, you have something to prove. So, you know, and based on their secondary right there, all the talent that they have in their secondary, I'm, I'm going to give them the slight edge. Mm, yeah. There won't be any sort of intimidation factor with playing up and playing against a 5A school, that's no. for sure. Yeah, I, I went toward, I, I took Lovejoy in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
John Paul is kind of an anomaly in terms of private school programs, not just because of the Division One talent, but because of their, their depth. Yeah. You know, once you see a lot of these public versus private schools, um, they may be even, you know, starting 11s, but once the game goes on, those 5A and 6A teams just have so much depth. That's a fair point. And, and, yeah. it, and it wears the private schools down because they, their roster isn't usually that size. Well, John Paul's roster is the size of a lot of 5A teams, mm-hmm. if not bigger. So, I mean, I think that comes out relatively even. Um, Really, you know, I, I like the the skill coming back on Lovejoy that we we just talked about, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, that it, like you say, it's going to be a fascinating matchup through the passing game. Oh, yeah. I, I just think that Lovejoy can make that player two down mm-hmm. the stretch. I think it's going to be a close game, yeah. Um, yeah. but I, I, I took Lovejoy. We close this out then with a game out uh, out Mesquite Ways out at Handy Stadium. This Devin's going to be uh, there. I will. This is a Friday seven thirty p.m. kick between the Skeeters of Mesquite High and Capel. Um, I'm just going to sit back and let y'all talk about this one. <laughs> David, you cover Capel. Devin, you cover Mesquite. So, um, yeah, guys, just talk a bit about what intrigues you about this game and where y'all are leaning. Well, it, it's a game where both teams have questions the quarterback situation. Um, in terms of, I mean, coming in mm-hmm. uh, in terms of Mesquite, uh, Hunter Nucci and Chance Edwards um, are both. You know, fighting for that position. I think that they're both going to see time um, on on Friday. Uh, as, as far as the skill position goes, they're they're really good. Uh, KB Frazier can can you know run the ball in the backfield, uh, can catch the ball on the outside. Um, you know, uh, Jacoby Thomas is a guy that that didn't have a lot of catches last year, but Coach Fleener is just super high on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as far as defensively, that's going to be, I think, where it comes down to because Mesquite returns only two starters. Yeah. Um, and Coppell has the decided uh, experience edge. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're good ones mm-hmm. in Jane Brown, yeah. um, you know, and uh, Marlon Thompson Leach. But when you have nine newcomers going against Coppell that has 14, what, 14 returning starters mm-hmm. overall, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough matching up with that offense. Um, and like you just said about experience out there, I mean, the Capels, you know, that like they came in last year, they had to go through so many different, you know, situations, you know, like at positions, you know, there are times last year that they're putting like, you know, 10, you know, players like in their first year, like or sophomores or, or juniors, like on the varsity field for the first time. But, mm-hmm. you know, they got that experience now, you know, like they, you know, like every as coming into the season you gotta like the camaraderie that they have with the mm-hmm. skill positions and the quarterback you know ryan walker feels like he's got a really good feel of this offense um coach dewitt says like he's even put some more zip on the ball coming into this okay. year and now that you got anthony blackett wide receiver who's got a litany of offers and i'm pretty sure they're going to improve by the day right here i don't know why he's only a three-star wide receiver right now mm-hmm. um and then obviously got kj liggins coming back and on the other side right here so that's going to open things up for both of them and Obviously, on the defensive side right there, they got a lot of experience, including Walker Polk. You know, mm-hmm. he's a junior, but he's already been like district, you know, honoree. Yeah, like been his first since he was a freshman. Yeah, yeah. and uh, experienced secondary. So, you know, like Capel finished last year four and six, but you know they were in a lot of the games last year, mm-hmm. and that experience being in close games last year is going to help them a lot this year. So, I feel like Capel's going to start the season with a win. Yeah, I'm kind of buying into the Capel comeback narrative as well this season. Yeah. So we'll uh, yeah we'll see. But I I too pick the Cowboys. To uh, to defeat the Skeeters, although I hate going against Coach Fleener. Coach well, is such a good guy, and, and that that's actually why I picked Mesquite early on. I just he's proven to me. I mean, he took over. They went one and nine. Yeah. You know, to basically six and five to eight and four area finalists last year. Yeah. yeah. Um, the arrow's pointing up. And, and then one thing, and this is just a total side note, has nothing to do. Just Go something I was looking. I was like, well, when was the last time these two teams played? Never. You would think. Hmm. I mean, Mesquite started football in 1906. <laughs> 
I mean, well before the UIL starts documenting things, yeah. but my records have them going back and playing Garland in 1906. So they, they played in 1906. <laughs> um, you know, Coppell's been playing since 1963. They're, they've been in different regions for the most part, but they're still Metroplex schools that you would figure at one point in time yeah, would have met, played non-district or met in the playoffs. Um, but for whatever reason, that just caught me yeah. as like an intriguing side note was these teams that have been around for – you know, as long as they have been, have never played. So it feels like they're two teams that have also been on a pretty similar wavelength in terms yeah. of just year in, year out competitiveness. Yeah. yeah, I would have guessed that they would have played at some juncture too. That is kind of surprising. Uh, but yes, nevertheless, though we are in unison, though picking Capel to beat uh, to beat Mesquite on Friday, and yes, that is um, that is a look at at least some of the marquee games that are in our coverage area. As far as games that we specifically will be covering, um, David, what's your coverage slate looking like for Thursday and Friday? Um, well, as we previously mentioned, you know I'm going to be up in Frisco on mm-hmm. Thursday to cover the Frisco Frisco Independence game at Toyota Stadium, seven o'clock kickoff, and then Friday night I'm going to be heading out towards uh, Corinth to cover Lake Dallas and Denton which was a very close game last year, three mm-hmm. points. Oh, yeah. um, uh, Lake Dallas was actually up in that game with uh, less than two minutes left, but then they gave up a long touchdown pass and then a two-point conversion, and then Lake da- uh, that Denton won in a field goal in overtime. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a revenge game right here for Lake Dallas. So um, And also – like well, the storylines for like Dallas is that um, they will obviously lose when you lose like, a, a talent like Kobe Minor. That's going to be huge mm-hmm. with all the production that he had, and not only on offense but defense. You know where he was a shutdown cornerback, but um, you know they. It seems like they're going to have more depth this year. Um, they have like three guys, you know, competing for a starting quarterback job. Um, and one thing that uh, uh, Coach Young said he really liked, you know, coming into the season is that in the last in the last year in the inter squad scrimmage and also the preseason scrimmage at, at Azel, they didn't score any points at all on offense. Mm-hmm. But he said uh, during the team's inter squad scrimmage, they scored three touchdowns. So that's that's obviously a, a, a much better note going into the year. Yeah. Devin, what have you got on the docket for Thursday and Friday? Uh, Thursday, I'm going to be out at Mesquite Memorial, uh, check out North Mesquite mm-hmm. uh, and their season opener, uh, a North Mesquite team that has, has struggled in recent years. Um, they have Fort Worth Trimble Tech, okay. um, a team, you know, North Mesquite coming off two and eight uh, season. You know, you'd like to see those, those guys build a little bit of confidence before they hit the district route. Uh, I'm not saying they're overlooking Trimble Tech, but this is also a Trimble Tech team that went two and eight against probably – not a strong competition. So um, a chance to see what North Mesquite uh, breaks out. They've got some new faces over there that they're pretty excited about. Um, and then Friday, uh, the aforementioned uh, Mesquite Coppell tilt. And for me, it's going to be a very McKinney ISD Stadium intensive first couple days for me. I'll be out there Thursday and Friday, Thursday to watch McKinney Boyd in the second year under Joe McBride. They take on Flower Mound, two teams that are kind of fringe potential playoff contenders in their respective districts, both of whom, though, have to replace a lot of skill position talent. <laughs> so, um, yeah, who knows um, kind of how, uh, I guess, how steady the, the product is going to be early on from both those sides. And then on Friday, I'll be out there for the game of the week, Plano and McKinney, 7 o'clock out at MISD Stadium. So, yes, that is what is on our docket for the week. And, yes, that will uh, conclude this episode of the Star Local Media High School Sports Podcast. Uh, we'll be back on Monday to break down all of the fascinating happenings in our coverage area from the opening week of high school football season. Until then, folks, you enjoy the rest of your week, and we'll talk to you all later. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position.
Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.